Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 149 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I have kitties. You have kittens! I have kittens. Oh! They're babies they are upstairs babies. right now, and yeah. they are soft and warm and cute. They are very much that. One is one is doing better. She uh, she came home uh, with a, a minor issue, and we're we're tending to her. But little uh, little infection. Yeah, we're, we're taking taking her to the vet and getting her taken care of and stuff at like that. Yeah, excuse me. So she's wearing the cone of shame. She's she does have the cone of shame, dish, and her sister really wants to play with her, and we're we're trying to be careful. She's being a trooper, though. She is very much being a trooper. So, so. yeah, lovely new additions to the uh, to the. To the, to the Storyteller Rob family over here. Yes. yes. Welcome them in. I, I know they will be monsters in one of my games at some point. I know y'all are going to ask. It's Isabella and Contessa. Yes. Contessa yes. is the cuddly one. Isabella is the adventurer. So. Yes. And uh, eventually you'll learn why those names. We're not going to do that tonight. Because mm-hmm. that's not what this show is about. And we always run late on these shows. <laughs> so. so it is the second Wednesday of the month. Y'all know what that means. We're doing a system spotlight tonight. Indeed. And our system spotlight tonight is on uh, Kids, Kids on, on Bikes. Bikes by Renegade Games. Yes. And it was uh, actually a Kickstarter uh, that was launched on uh, November 7th of 2017 and funded uh, like... Four hours in four hours. Yeah, it hit its goal. Yeah, uh, and then uh, they hit their uh, first stretch goal at the same time. Mm, wow! So like instantaneously, like they they were watching the hours and and just it it hit fast and furious. Yeah. Um, but uh, they actually unlocked I want to say like eleven levels of of unlocks, which included tons of modules and expansions oh, wow. and yeah. extra decks and things like that. Uh, Matt Koval actually has a module in it called oh, cool. uh, Strange Things at Circle Q. He did that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of other authors in there that uh, if you look through some of their other uh, works, I, I could list them. And I started looking through them like, oh, that guy did that. Or this person did that. And that yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, okay, these are really cool. And it was a lot of fun to see uh, all the different things. That, but there's a lot that went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, it was formally published in, uh, 2018 when everything came together and that was with, uh, Hunter Entertainment. Um, and in 2019, it won the, it was a gold winner for best family game for the, uh, Ennies. For the Ennies, yeah. 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 Which it deserves it for the kind of quality that came out of it. Yeah. Um, and then it had, uh, two, uh, two published adventures mm-hmm. books, which was, uh, Kids on Bike, uh, Strange Adventures 1 and Kids on Bike Strange Adventure 2. And one basically is kind of like the, you know, odd things happen in a small town. You know, you've got like strange things at the Circle Q, which is the one we just talked about. Yep, yep. Uh, and then you've got like the skate land and like the boxcar boys and like, are there ghosts, you know, and things like that. And like, what's going up at the old mine in Cheyenne, you know, kind of thing. And then the second one picks up with, uh, like, the storm in a castle and, like, following area through uncharted territory or getting, you know, uh, going to another town that's close by. Excuse me. I'm sorry. And then in that one... You going to be all right over there? All right. I, I, you're, you're supposed to actually breathe air and drink water. Not you had to think around. about it for just yes. a second there, so because I just did it wrong. Yeah, so, uh, but it expands onto the story a little I'm bit. So sorry. And uh, one of the pieces in it that I thought was hilarious is 
Uh, dads on mowers. Dads on mowers. I absolutely love it. Kids on books. Students on schoolers. Uh, on scooters. Kids in tunes. And kids on motorcycles. So mm-hmm. there's like some other pieces that kind of press out from there. Do you need to give yourself a good cough here and just get it out of your system? Nope, I'm good. Okay. I need to stop coughing because if I do, I will do that into perpetuity. That's all fair. That's fair. Um, but then it expanded kind of the universe of ideas beyond, you know, the 1980s, if you will, you know, and you ended up with, uh, see, told you, you need to just get it out. Yep. Um, you had teens in space, which is where you're, you're trying to, you know, uh, handle your ship, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, uh, with a kind of an odd lighter, uh, firefly feel to it, you know, uh, and ask, cause you know, everything's always breaking. Sure, sure, thing. sure, sure. You know, and then kids on brooms, which was, you, you brought that one up to me yeah, originally when we were talking about kids this. on brooms is actually my first experience with this game system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, uh, dimension 20, um, uh, which is, uh, through college humor on yep. their, their channel dropout, mm-hmm. uh, story, usually story told by Brendan Lee Mulligan. Mm-hmm. Um, However, but he this, handed this, off for yeah, this one. Yeah, this series was handed off to uh, Abria Iyengar, um, who also did Exandria Unlimited yes, um, yes, for okay. a critical role. Yep. It was called Misfits and Magic. Um, Brennan was actually a player there, along with Erica Ishii, uh, Danielle Radford, and mm-hmm. Lou Wilson. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I would say go if you're interested <clears throat> at all in after we're done with this, go watch some of it. You don't have to watch all of it, but watch some of it to get a feel for how the gameplay and, and, and the general movement. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it really does a nice job of... Because you watch Critical Role, and you do see D&D in it, but it's it's not as transparent. In this, like, because the rules are so light, it is very transparent. Mm-hmm. It is, the rule system is very transparent in it. I, I did note that. Um, but some of the stuff that they had done after that was they... Before the game even hit, they had an Ashcan edition, which was basically an early access ultralight, uh, but it had 90% of the rules in it. Uh, and it was yeah, a, it's 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 almost. I mean, it's such a rules light system. Yeah, that I, I mean, I can't even imagine like what a watered down version of well, of this even looks like. It would like it would be like a burger stand being like, here's our normal hamburger. It's a, a you know an early release of our ultra mega cheeseburger, and you're like ultra mega cheese. You just you add cheese to it, like yeah, <laughs> um, cheese. There's just a little bit of special sauce, but that's optional. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then you had the free <clears throat> RPG day edition, which effectively was the game mm-hmm. again. Um and and basically quick started you with pre made characters right into the game yep. which was great yep um they then released the kids on uh, bikes playbook which came with the Kickstarter with a few extra things that had tropes of the pre made characters it kind of offered you a quick way to get through your session zero like fast yeah yeah um and then uh you know up there as well you've got you know fillable character sheets for all of the different er- uh, all the different genres um. They have the adventure for dads on mowers, the sheet for that, which I thought was hilarious. I, I, I have to see that. I have to see that. It's it's kind of amusing. <clears throat> but again, it still fits everything and kind of gives you that idea that you can step beyond yeah. kids on bikes. Oh, absolutely. Which gave me a ton of ideas. It's, I mean, it's such a flexible system. But they yeah. had tons of other resources already there. Ship logs, maps of city, class schedules uh-huh. for both the regular and the magical school. Uh, and then you can buy the power character cards that we'll talk about later with the mechanics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that effectively for 
it's a one-stop shop for the whole system. It's not like you have to go digging through Reddit or find people's posts to find, like, this special version of whatever. Like, they thought of everything that you would naturally need and gave it to you ahead of time before the game released. Yeah, absolutely. Which I was like, damn, that's that's love. Yeah. That's a direct love for a game, which I, it blows my mind that more people don't play and enjoy this system for how much they gave to the community after, like, yeah, we made our, we, 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 we covered our assets, we did everything we wanted, we gave you extra. Enjoy. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, just, just talking about the wider RP communities in, in general, I think, like, there, there's a, definitely still a contingent of people who, um, don't know that there's anything outside of D&D. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons why we, you know, you and I decided to do these system spotlights. So much. Because we, we very much want to, you know, we, we vowed to make this, this, this show system agnostic and we wanted to bring all these other great systems to yeah. you and didn't want to make this another D&D podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're hoping like, when someone listens to this in like 2067, like they're like, "Oh my god, there are other systems." Well, I, I remember like one of the one of the first conversations I had with uh, uh, with Knox in the Box about role playing. Yeah, um, was uh, uh, he had actually introduced me to Critical Role very early on, like it was like ten episodes into the, mm-hmm. into the first campaign, mm-hmm. like they were fresh out of the box, and uh, all still so young and innocent, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> He was like, "Hey, this looks pretty interesting. You know, would would you run a role playing game for me?" And I was like, "Sure. Which role playing game do you want to play?" And he's like, "Which there are choices." Yeah. I'm like, yeah. "Yeah. Do you want to tell a sword and sorcery story like Dungeons and Dragons, or do you want to like do superheroes or space, space. or like something contemporary or with like horror. magic or yeah, like horror? Like you know, are you into Lovecraft?" And he's like, "Oh, we need to have a." bigger discussion than the, you know you've given me too many choices right. i'm scared now yeah so yeah i mean like when when we we, we look at things like this where it's like i'm surprised this isn't in more hands like yeah man, like the best we can do here is just is is these system spotlights and really just kind of shine us you know yeah yeah sound the alarm on it and get get people thinking about it well, let's get some people interested in this one because i'm interested in this one I, I love that it these always make me more interested in these systems all right so um we'll start by talking about like the world building setting the theme kind of what what the core of what's the, the stories yeah. yeah what's the flavor of this game um and let me start this by asking you did you watch stranger things a bit of it not all of it a bit of it okay okay so i, I think i I've know seen... the flavor I think I've seen the first three seasons, something like that. Maybe. I think I've, two. I think I watched through most of season one mm-hmm. and got some highlights in season two and some in season three. I definitely watched the first two seasons. Okay. I, I don't remember if there was a third season. If I watched that, I think I did. I don't remember. Sure, I lost track of it and I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but uh, that's. I, I mean, I, I if if I were talking to a modern group of people who are hip to what's on Netflix and stuff like that, sure. I would say this is Stranger Things, the role-playing game, in a lot of ways. But it's flexible in that it can also be Goonies, the role-playing game. Oh, totally. It can be uh, – it can it can almost feel like uh, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. In in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, it, do you – do you – and, and I say this in a neat way, but it's kind of a stretch for the, even this game. Sure. But uh, – do you like uh, the Percy Jackson stuff where it's a bunch of kid gods doing things? This could kind of fit in that same kind of feel. Anytime you've got a budding group of people who are underdogs mm-hmm. dealing with an oppressive force on the outside and they're dealing with their issues. Lower decks even kind of fits this to a certain degree. Yeah. The, you know, where where you have that gap 
between the power b- between what the world is really like and where you sit on the scale <laughs> and what you could affect but you could still get things done and it's really cool you yeah know? yeah uh but but i think like part of the big the big part of like the the setting of this is that um y- you want this to be set in a small town mm-hmm. um and typically you want that town uh either set in a time or set in a set of circumstances that prevents like large uh communication you know like the internet not existing or Mm -hmm. not being available cell phones not existing or not being available um and this is one of the reasons why i give stranger things as a great example of this is because it's set in the 80s yep you know so i think at one point somebody has a mobile phone and it's like practically the size of a briefcase you know yes um, um, but the quick start did a good job of painting it, I think, yeah. in a really beautiful way. And again, the quick start, this is all available on their website for free in PDF format. And it's worth noting, uh, you you read the quick start rules. I, I read did. the actual rule book. Yeah. Uh, the full, the full rule yep. book. Yep. Uh, what you're about to describe from the quick start rules is the example of Yep. Town creation they give in the rule book. Yeah. But again, they want you to go through this, but what they, they just did it for you to sure, make it sure, easy. Sure. So you and your friends are from Perkins, Colorado, and the year is nineteen eighty two. Perkins is a small sized mining town where everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think is a huge flavor point of the game, like we were yes. just talking about. Yes. It's not like there's a new kid in town that nobody knows anything about. You, that's not the case. Everyone knows everyone mm-hmm. in some way. You know, you may not know them as a friend. But you know of that kid. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, the local high school the per- is Perkins High School, and their only thing they're pretty good at is football. They have the Cougars. Go Cougars! There we go. And and nothing else, really. Uh, the middle school, where you go to in this setting, uh, is a cesspool of hormones and homerooms. And it is John <laughs> Smith Middle School, and no one has a clue why it's called that. And no one really cares. Um and then there's not much to do in Perkins. There's an arcade that literally just went in because it's 1982, 1982 and that just happened. Yeah, you got Pac-Man you know? there, man. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty good. I mean, you could go check out the abandoned mines um, and, and those are scary. Uh, there's the water tower. Yeah. There yeah. you go. That's it. That's yeah, a landmark. That's it. Um, but one of the things that they want you to do immediately is even though they've given you the setting, they immediately want you to start getting into rumors. Oh, because it's a small town. Yeah. You, know, you don't have social media yet. So all your gossip is water cooler talk and at the uh, the supermarket cash register. Mm-hmm. And, yep. mm-hmm. So you because of that gossip in a small town where everyone knows everyone, the gossip you're creating may or may not be true. There mm-hmm. may be a hint of truth to it, but you don't even know as the player. You're just coming up with gossip. Yeah. The storyteller is greatly encouraged to listen to all of those rumors. Uh, decide which ones are true, which ones are not true, and the ones that aren't true, uh, decide uh, what the truth behind them may have been yep. and how it may tie into the plot. You know, for instance, if the uh, the rumor is the principal and the uh, one of the teachers are having an affair, well, maybe they are meeting in secret, but it's not for a tryst. It's because they're part of a demonic cult. Yeah, or or maybe the principal figured out that the teacher is not actually a teacher, and everything's been faked, and they're really an FBI agent, and they they want to turn them in unless they tell them what's why they're really there. Maybe, yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities, you know. But the whole thing is that they're supposed to evolve. Like that rumor that gets told mm-hmm. comes back around and either adds flavor or truth or something else, and it can even be something that turns out to be funny and mm-hmm. not even honest, like you know. Is, isn't it true that you, like, 
wore a Halloween mask and tried to scare your parents, but you walked in on them having sex or something, you know, and it's like, and it wasn't your parents, like, you know, like, no, no, some of that is true, you know, kind of a thing. And like, you, you find out a truth about that, but it ends up adding narrative to the story. And you're like, wait a second, Miss Parker was there. Mm. What was she doing there? Yeah, and then that it, leads on to more story. Exactly. And as, and as rumors get, uh, uh, you know, kind of resolved or at least yeah. brought to light, you kind yep. of learn the truth behind them. You're, you're encouraged to pepper in more rumors to replace them. So there's always a ripe and evolving rumor mill going on in your town. So the, the, the setting as you do it in the actual game setting rules mm-hmm. is you're building this very intimate, close relationship on the town. Yes. Um, and that is where the adventure takes place. Is that town? It's right. it's uh, a trope that that I've in in, in storytelling that uh, that I've talked about before, um, where the, the town itself is almost like another character. Yep. Uh, because y- you your whole party is supposed to. I know, like in the quick start rules, they give you Perkins, but in the main rules, they encourage you to come up with your own small town. Um, and so they give you some prompt questions. You know, mm-hmm. our adventure takes place in. Blank. Name. Uh, the industry our town is best known for is blank. blank. Our town is famous for blank. Our town is infamous for uh, economically. Our town is prospering, floundering, something else. Yep. Uh, a notable organization is mm-hmm. whatever. A uh, notable landmark is mm-hmm. the water tower, yep. you know. Uh, and our school sports team is called blank. Yep. And this gives you a great feel for, um, the little, the little town that you're going to be playing in. The, the characterization of it. And because all of your players will have some sort of say in there, they all have some investment in it. Mm-hmm. And it's great because you can come up with um, a lot of your story hooks just right there. Yeah. You know, uh, they discuss like having old mines and Perkins, you know, and in some of the storytelling sections in the main book, they talk about like what could be going on in those mines. There's mm-hmm. a rumor that there was, you know, 12 miners trapped in a cave in in there. But there's another rumor that says when they finally found them, they only found eight of them. And some of them looked like they'd been chewed on by some sort of an animal. Yeah. That's a great rumor. And that's and that's it. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Is it true? I don't know. It's a rumor. Yep. You know, who yep. knows? Yep. But investigating that and figuring out what might be going on, what might be lurking in those mines, what might have happened to those miners, that's where your story happens. Yeah. That's where your kids on bikes, supernatural adventure of discovery yep. goes on, you yep. know? Yep. So strangely enough, that's it. That's the world building. It's, yeah. it's framing it and working with the group to build that world. And then you go right into characters and the characters are meaty and, and meaningful on the narrative side. And the book itself, both the quick start and the main book, take time in this section mm-hmm. to remind you who your characters are. But there's not a lot. It, it's not heavy on mechanics, abilities. It's talking about who the character is. Yeah, this is going to be one of those weird instances. Like, I always feel uh, a little bit odd when I am uh, doing a system spotlight for a uh, for a game system that super rules light like mm-hmm. this. Because it's like, how do you play this game? And then we're in five minutes, we're done. Feels like it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is this is definitely one of those ones. Yeah. Um, a lot of the book, and I think the book is only something 80 like... Pages. 80 pages. That's all it is. Yeah. 80 pages. 80 pages, and that includes some, like, credits and cover, you know. And good art. 
good, really, really good, good art. art. Really good art that fits the genre. I I trust mm. its art as well as I like, or I shouldn't say trust. I look at its art to fit to fit the system as well as I look at the Rift's art to fit the system or yes. Robotech's art to fit the system, Battletech to fit the system. You always look at it and you feel immediately like you're there. Yes. I love that about yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, for this one, a lot of actually like the character creation section talks a lot about like setting boundaries. Oh, yeah, that, um, that was a great lineup that's in there. And making sure that the subject matter that you're going to touch on because you know, this, this is a game that um, – is meant to be kind of played as like a, a almost a horror game. Um, yeah, it, a it definitely game, can be an adventure game. At least dealing with some creepier stuff, like you know, first part of the movie It, Stranger yeah. Things, Goonies, E.T. E.T. Yeah, where where weird and possibly dangerous, possibly deadly things are happening in a small town. Honestly, a lot of Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Stephen King. A lot of Stephen yeah. King could fit in this. Uh, you know, because I, I, I think of, like, Christine and Heather's. Like, those could actually be things that are happening in these settings, except it's a bunch of kids seeing it. Yes. Instead. And that cha- puts everything on its head. Mm-hmm. Everything on its head. But it doesn't mean you can't do a sci-fi type adventure where it's uplifting. Mm-hmm. It's not telling you that that's not a tone that could be made here. Exactly, exactly. Um, so essentially, you're you start off with a trope for your character. For yep. your character, um, and, and your trope is essentially it's not really even a character class because it doesn't really come, like it's not. It's a character flavor. It's it's a character flavor. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, so you're playing a kid in a small town. Do you want to play the school bully? Mm-hmm. Do you want to play the nerdy mathlete? Do you want to play the music prodigy? The, the wealthy takes, kid? The wealthy kid? Uh, do Who you want to play the, yeah. you know, the asthmatic nerd? Or, mm-hmm. I mean, any number of different tropes of kids that you can think of. Yeah, the rough and tumble scout. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, <laughs> like, you could play a teenager or an adult. That, you can. Those are kind of like your three things, like, kid, teenager, or adult. Mm-hmm. Those are your three sets of, like, Age frames. Yeah, you're you're saying your three frames essentially that you hang your trope on. Mm -hmm. Um, So your trope is basically just a a, a set of preset suggestions. They're not really even classes. You don't have to pick one out of the book. You can absolutely make your own. Yeah. Um, but they do offer a good, healthy number of them in the book to uh, to pick from and to give you ideas about it because it it then leads into your strengths and flaws, right? Which are where your first major choices come in. Yeah. So when you're when you're we're talking about strengths and flaws, their uh, strengths are kind of like feats or edges. They're something your character can do that somebody can't mm-hmm. uh, offer. Like you, you maybe you're the nerdy kid who can build things. Yeah. Like you're, you always have a gadget or, you know, a flashlight available, you know, that also has a ruby lens because, you, you know, you know that red light is easier to see at night. It doesn't blind people, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the kind of, it's those little things that you do. Maybe you're really good at computers. Maybe you're exceptionally you know, and computers are new. Maybe you know. you're really gutsy. Yeah. You know, even just little attributes like that. You're you're perfect in every way and graceful, mm-hmm. you know, so you have those types of things. And because of that, um, you aren't challenged when doing things that are related to it. You know, how about I give you a knuckle sandwich and you're the bully like that's your thing. Yep. You know, suddenly somebody backs off, you mm-hmm, know, kind of mm-hmm. a situation like that. Whereas your flaws are just prompts They're They are descriptors of your character. I have asthma. 
you know, mm-hmm. which, which means, hey, hey guys, you need to slow down or like, you know, I, I sweat a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wear heavy glasses, you know. They shouldn't necessarily be limiting to you on a mechanical sense, but definitely in a role-playing sense. Well, they're uh, – yeah, and, that, and that's that's really the big difference between them. Strength, strengths always do come with some sort of bonus to them mm-hmm. um, or, or offer you a new ability you can use. A lot of them will use adversity tokens, which is something we'll talk about in you a little bit. You pay the adversity tokens to use them. To yeah. use them, essentially, yeah. to activate them, um, whereas flaws – Flaws don't – like, it took me a while of skimming over the book because I thought I'd missed it. Mm-mm. And it's literally one line that basically just says, yeah, flaws are non-mechanical. They're just role-playing Yeah, prompts. they're there to help you as a prompt, which I think is great. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you're you're already kids. Like, they don't need to pile more penalties on top of you, you yep. know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you've got your strength – your two, two strengths, two flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got your stats. Yeah. And that's essentially your whole character. No. Your stats. Well, there's a few other questions in there too, but we'll get to those. Well, yeah, there's, there's a few things, yeah. but like, they're, but they're, but they're the more meat. like role-playing descriptors. They're than, frame. Than they're mechanical yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely role-playing frames. As far as mechanical things, though, you've got six stats. You have six dice. You have six dice. Different between dice. D4, six, eight, ten, 10 12, 12, 20. 20. Hmm. Six stats, six dice. Seems pretty simple to me. That's your stats. Go assign something. Go assign something. Each one gets a size of a die. So yep. um, it's almost like standard array in Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. where you're definitely going to have a dump stat and yep. you're definitely going to have a really supreme stat. Yep. And that's and, – and along the lines of if you're familiar with Savage Worlds – that's the die you use to roll when you have a challenge. Yep. So, uh, the stats you've got is brains. Mm-hmm. Which um, determines how book smart you are, be able to understand things, get through complex academic style situations. You've got brawn. Um, this is your brute strength. Uh, it's not determined how well you can fight, but maybe how well you can take a hit. Yeah, I guess you could call it constitution in many ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, fight, on the other hand, is your ability to do combat, but it covers every combat aspect so if you're whether you're fighty with your fists whether you're fighty with a baseball bat whether you're fighty with a slingshot Mm -hmm. doesn't matter could be graceful or it could be brutish doesn't matter still fits uh you've got flight which i love which is a stat to determine how fast your character how fast your character is um but also how good they are at like adapting and evading problems and stuff like that like flight can absolutely be used in like a social situation yeah, conversational to flight avoid a topic and, and fast talk someone you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. um you've got charm yep uh, which is, you know, kind of like a charisma sort of stat, obviously. But it's also reading the room as well, and uh, it is uh, it is another talky social thing, but charm can also be used in a physical sense. There's no question that you can't just walk in someplace because they just accept you to be sure, there. Sure, absolutely. And then you've got grit, which mm-hmm. is kind of your, uh, your toughness, how hard it is to break the character emotionally or yes. possibly physically. It also is the street smart value versus the academic yeah uh so like you may you know the nerd might know that you can get you know a pain reliever from any of the pharmacies or if you go and make it using the following chemicals like dude it's 11 o'clock at night and we need something to take care of this dude's headache you know i know a dude Mm -hmm. you're like you know a dude you know (laughs) i know a dude so let's like think about the values of of these dice. So you've got a d20, d12, d10, d8, d6, d4. I mean, literally, when we're talking about hitting target numbers, mm-hmm. we're talking about chance. And the system is based upon just that, 
rolling a die, and hitting a target number. Yep. And those target numbers are not astronomical. They are they are a very they're they're a very basic array. It's like you you know between what is considered simple and just done mm-hmm. versus what is considered insurmountable. So if you're getting into a fight with an FBI agent as a 12-year-old as a 12-year-old, your target number probably is going to be something like 15. Well, again, depends on what you're trying to do. True. And that's one of the group the best things about how these stats are applied is that like Okay, um, you know, getting in a, you said getting in a fight with an FBI yeah, agent. Let's say there are two FBI agents trying to stop you from getting out of a doorway. Sure. Like they're at the, they're in the school, they've come for you, and they're at the end of the hall, and there's your group. Sure, and, and this is one of the reasons why I like how the stats are. This is why the reason I like these, how the stats are, uh, um, applied. Mm-hmm. Is it reminded me actually a lot of Legend of the Five Rings. Yes. Because it was very much, what's your approach? Correct. And that determines what stat you're going to be using right so for instance um i could try to kick one of them in the jimmy and uh you know uh do something else to the other one you know and 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 get past them while they're while they're gripping their family jewels right okay that's a fight that's a straight up physical fight physically trying to punch them okay um on the other hand i might just try to power through them because that might be a brawn or a grit yeah um, if, if I'm just literally trying to just bum rush through them and just slip, maybe things. they didn't expect it. On the other hand, if I'm going to try to like dodge the left and juke them to the right, right. or outrun them, them through another door, that's definitely flight. Yep. 100%. You know? But in all of these things, I am bypassing these two guards that are an obstacle to me. Yes. You know, uh, and like I, I might even use brains to like notice that one of them is favoring his left knee or something like that, or and, you slowly know. make your way back through the hall because you know in exactly six minutes and thirty six or in, in thirty six seconds the doors are all going to open and all the students will be here, and then you and can get lost in the crowd. You can get yeah. lost in the crowd. Yeah, or you can say something that will get lost in the crowd, or you'll pull the fire alarm. Exactly. And so there's there's any number of ways you can apply these things to essentially achieve the same results. Mm-hmm. It's never as cut and dry as always use fight for X, always use brawn for Y. Right. You know. Um, it also opens up a whole other thing, which I which I love about numbers in general. And all of our numbers people in this game will come to back to this back to me on this one. Sure. Your odds of exploding go up with the number going down, and that is the, something that this game has. Right. So now I have with even with my crappiest skill, my D four. If I don't think I'm going to get out of the situation, I might take the chance of rolling that D four and hoping that it explodes to give me a you know something better than a four. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I've seen that enough in Savage Worlds. One hundred percent. Our mutual yeah. friend Erica pulling out pulling out their D their D four and rolling twenty <laughs> and rolling a twenty yeah twenty three on a D four yeah. yeah yeah. But that's the whole thing is is that you have that chance. But one of the things that the game explicitly does about explosions is neat. Is they state that it is not you, but something else, something otherworldly or a moment special outside of your character that causes that to happen. So like my dump stat as the you know bully brute might be brains sure. right but like there's no chance we're going to get around these guys they're bigger than us they're coming down the hallway at us i i i won't be able to get past them with just my brawn the chances of me to so 
I roll brains because what I'm going to do is pull the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. There'll be more kids in the way, and That's I can... big brain play right It's my there, big yeah. brain play because it's the smartest thing I can think to do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they're like, great. Yeah. I roll my D4. It explodes. I roll my D4 again. It explodes. Now you're at eight. Keep I roll rolling. my D4 again, and I, you know, I get a, you know, let's say a, I end up with a total of 13 somehow. Sure, it's incredible. Sure. That's not me. When I pull the fire alarm, though... Somehow, there's a confluence of events that, that unfolds. The yeah. doors open, the teachers rush out, the kids get chaos because maybe we haven't done a fire alarm session at the middle school yet. Mm-hmm. So all of the younger kids from the elementary school don't know what to do and they just start running and it's chaos. Yeah. You yeah. know, and everyone's screaming and now you've got the two FBI agents there who are trying to deal with little, and it suddenly works out. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. But it was All a moment that occurred. All you did was pull the alarm, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's those kind of moments that do that. And I, it's something that it's one of those system system notes that I want to say this needs to be used in other ways. I would love to see a D twenty in D and D described that like an ex, a, a, a critical hit in D and D extreme to something extraneous outside yeah. of the norm. Sure, sure. You know, the wind catches the arrow instead of it. You know going to its target it lifts up you know or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and you know that way it it feels like it's something special something right, different right. Uh, so we should got, kind of got a little sidetracked here with the mechanics sorry um, sorry I, but, I, but it was but, i think it was important for the numbers no 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 it is it is it's it's and that's because the, the the core the core stats of your character are essentially also the core mechanics of the game yeah um but but there are just a little bit more to character concept just a bit, character just a creation bit. and that's um your finishing touches, yep. Um, which is going to be like your character's motivation. You know, yep. what is the thing that they want? Yes. Um, and it might just be to you know impress Tom so he'll go out with me, mm-hmm. or get back at Jessica for what she did to me in sixth grade. Become cool. Become cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, get that skateboard. Uh, get a Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get, get a, Nintendo. a Nintendo. Be the one kid in school with a Nintendo. Besides um, the rich kid who's got one, anyways. But then you've also got your fear. Your Fear is – it does actually have some mechanics attached to it. It does. It does. Um, no, everyone has a fear. Mm-hmm. Every single person has a fear. Now, when you're faced with your fear, mm-hmm. and there's there's degrees to being faced with it, like obviously, you know, a snake inside of a terrarium in the same room as you versus multiple free snakes that are slithering over you are two totally different things for fear, you know. Um but basically when you're faced with your fear, uh, everything is considered a snap decision, mm-hmm. um, which is a mechanic we'll get into in a second. Yep. You can't spend adversity tokens to help friends. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's Again, true. another mechanic we'll talk about in a moment. And then dividing, depending on your severity, you might take up to a minus three penalty on your checks. Yeah. While yeah. faced with your fear. Yeah. Um, and it's they do go into they, – they say it's worth noting that children usually fear things that rationally they shouldn't fear. And don't fear things that they ought to. They're more likely to walk up to a stranger covered in blood to make sure they're okay than they are to open up their closets in the middle of the night. Yes. Generally, children fear the unknown and what they can't see. Kids are also generally not ashamed of their fears. They'll gladly declare them to friends and strangers alike. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some role-playing notes on how to craft, like, effective child characters. Yeah, and, and again, I think that is a... Uh... A gift to the systems mm-hmm. that are more narrative that they really do invest 
in working on your character more. And sometimes I think it's better, it's best for people to play these games and bu- even just build characters in these games to get a, get better at making characters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last thing you've got is your, your backpack, which is, which is basically quite literally your backpack. Mm-hmm. What, what, what sort of gear and equipment. But also they say, like, what kind of other resources do you have available? Like, you might actually put, like, wealthy in your backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's a, it's a resource you can, you can tap into. Like, just having access to money. Um, or access to, you know, maybe I'm, you know, if I'm playing an adult character, I'm an employee at the local, you know, weird, weird science lab. I'm going to take a step back because I just saw in the live chat something that, that went back to the fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a uh, better off dead. Better off the dead, kids. Yeah. I want I my two, want my two dollars. <laughs> it's the, it's the newspaper kids wanting their damn money. Every, yeah. They're at every turn in that town for you. That's fantastic. Well, well done over Well done. Uh, but it's uh, talking a little bit about the, um, the, the great takeaways you've got for character creation um, from from this system that you could easily import into other systems. Oh, so much. Is uh, introductions and questions. Yes. Um, yes. A large part of your character creation uh, is a – there's a number of questions. Uh, and they've got like a, a 20 chart of them in the main For book. positive and negative questions. Uh, well, for, for people you know and people you don't know. Yes, yes. Is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and you'll roll a d20. I, I forget how many questions yours. I think it's two. You go around and do – to to and you – there's an interesting thing about you sit next to the people you know well. Your character knows well. Mm-hmm. And then you go around asking questions to the person to your right. Yeah. Uh, to get, to, to do that and, uh, and then answer, I think, the other direction. But it's, it, I, I can't remember how those rules excited. But you're doing this so that, like, maybe you're sitting next to your best friends. So you're going to ask them a question, but the person next to them doesn't know you as well or doesn't like you, maybe even. Yeah, maybe. And will ask you a tough question, like, mm-hmm. what trait about this character uh, that they despise, do you appreciate? Right? Uh-huh. You know, versus what do you need to take, uh, what do you need to take from this character for their own good? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh lord, there's some, there's some deep questions and in that. And it's great because by the time you're done going around the table, even just once, you've got a really good feel for not only who these individual characters are, but what the relationships between them are. Mm-hmm. And by doing that one or two times, you've you've now got um basically you've solved that problem that I usually have in a lot of like D&D games of yeah. like okay, well you're an established adventuring party. Well that's cool, but I've never physically played a game with these people mm-hmm. before with these characters, so like you've got to try to kind of fake a year of adventuring together and knowing people. And you know? this is a fantastic way of hitting This is what does it. So, like, automatically, just because you've answered a handful of these questions, you can walk in there and just be like, are you picking your nose again, nerd? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, no, no, I'm not. Well, why is that? Because picking their nose is a bad habit that you've noticed that they've picked up on or something like that, you yeah, know? Yeah, And or And or, like... Maybe they absolutely love their, their, you know, the bully absolutely loves his cape. He's been wearing this cape mm. all of the, and it, for his own good, he needs that cape taken away from, cause it's actually his whoopee. You know, it's holding <laughs> it's a, him back. His security blanket. Yeah. No. You know, and it, 
but that it's those types of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's those little subtle stories that you know the truth about. Yeah. You know, and it helps you define your character as much as the person who's answering about the, about the questions. So, yeah, 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 I love it. I love it. And like combined with the, uh, the creation step of creating the, the town, mm-hmm. by the time you hit the beginning of session one of this, you already have an amazing feel for the setting, the people in the setting, mm-hmm. what's going on in the setting mm-hmm. and where your characters fit with not only within the setting, but with each other. Yeah. And that's before you ever start playing. And, one of the things that we talked about earlier about the setting the boundaries, mm-hmm. they put that in the book ahead of everything because before you start building a town, before you start talking about your characters, before you start asking, you need to know everyone needs to be on the same page. And they set these questions in such a nice way, in such a bold way mm-hmm. to make sure everyone feels safe. And I felt that they were they weren't invasive to the spirit of the game or the spirit of, of role play. Like, what do we want to see? Mm-hmm. It's a simple question. It's a good way to ask what kind of experience and excitement, the types of things, is it a mystery? Are we solving something? You know, what are we okay with? Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time we talk about things that we're not okay with, but you've got to open that door. You've got to find the soft boundary of, okay, you know, I'm neutral about like, that we, we have blood in the game. doesn't bother me at all. What about, uh, you know, scary things? Well, what kind of scary things? Ghosts? Yeah, ghosts are fine. You know, uh, what what about horrors? You know, uh, ultra horrors. Nah, can we not do that? I don't need something that has, like, a jaw with a second jaw inside of it, you know, <laughs> and an unlimited number of eyes and ooze coming out of its pores. Don't Please don't do that, you know, kind of a thing. Um, what do we want to gloss over? Okay, everything you just did right there and extrapolating the disgustingness of this, can we gloss over that and just say it's a horrific thing? Yes. You know, that thing. Don't talk about the spiders. I don't need to know. You can say there's a spider in the room. That's good enough for my character to know he's fearful of it. Right. I don't need to see the glint in its, uh, the glint in its eight eyes or the hair on its yeah. legs or. Don't, don't explain to me how, how, don't explain to me how I'm being bullied. Please mm-hmm. never explain that. Just say he is totally picking on you. Yeah. Or they're totally being picked on and it's, it's exceptionally rude. And one of the things too that they, they did, did make a point of too, um, cause I know this was a concern when we talked about, uh, our child adventure genre. Yes. That this squarely fits into, mm-hmm. uh, is, uh, basically using the setting and or the time period as an excuse for bigotry. Correct. Um, and, you know, there, there's, there's that impulse to go, oh, well, that's just how people during this time would have talked or would have treated you. Nope. If we can imagine that there are eldritch horrors eating people in the mines, we can imagine that a small town in the 60s treats people equally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? It's it's not needed. Yep. It's not needed at the table. And they, yeah. they openly address that in the book. Yeah. And, and what do you want to avoid? Which right. is Which is that framework of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't have to be something that extreme. It could just be like, yeah, I don't want to deal with spiders or I don't want to deal with drowning. Or, or water at all. There's you know? also a um, uh, a large section of the character creation about uh, uh, discussing, you know, playing diverse characters, mm-hmm. but making sure that everyone at the table essentially consents to that character being played mm-hmm. um, and agrees that the player will play them in a respectful and, and tasteful manner. You yeah. Know? Um, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. Play someone, you know, LGBTQ or play sure. someone who's on the autism spectrum or play sure. someone with a disability. Like all of these things add life to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
make sure that you're not playing them as a stereotype. Make sure that you're playing them with respect and make sure that you're playing them with depth. Yeah. You know? Um, and if everybody at the table doesn't agree that you can do that with taste and respect, then the table has the right to kind of veto your character. Yeah. Maybe it's time to step away from that and pick something else. Because it's a group storytelling thing. Yes. You know? This isn't a, what, what character are you bringing? Oh, I'm bringing a 12th level warlock, paladin, fighter, multi-class. Like, oh, can I say no to that? I don't know. No, no, this is straight up everybody at the table has to agree. Yeah, and I think that gets lost a lot on other games because we don't want to limit that level of creativity. But at the same time, we're not asking the questions of who you are before you come to the table. It's always found out later. Yeah. And I think there's a certain sense of sadness in that. Mm Mm-hmm. That you have to wait, and it's it's scary, you know, in some cases. That doesn't need to be a fear at a table, and this really helps with that. No, it really doesn't. So. Let's just, let's talk a bit, a bit about mechanics. Get a little gritty with the mechanics, if you will. Oh, right. yes. Yeah, a little so, crunchy. So <laughs> gritty with the mechanics. All right, so we already talked about stats. We already yep. talked about stat rolls. Yep. yep. You use the dice that is attached to your stat. Yep. Boom. Done. You're done. Um, that's it. That's all the mechanics. No, so what do I what do I do? It's like, really how do I do what I do? All right. So when you're asked to perform an action, there mm-hmm. are two different types of actions you can you can perform. Mm-hmm. There's either a planned action, mm-hmm. which is essentially I am not under duress. Yeah. Um, I have the time to think this through. There's nothing chasing me down a hallway. There's yeah. no deadline necessarily on it that is pressing enough that it will cause an urgent sense. Yeah. You know. We we we're all we you know we came over for the sleepover at your house because you have the Commodore 64 with the audio modem, mm-hmm. and we're gonna dial up. Mom and dad are asleep. You know we're all hunkered down around the computer. You know with pillows wrapped around the phone so that nobody hears it go off. We got time. We can and, do whatever. And now we're going to try to hack into the whatchamacallit. The, what the school. We're going to dial into the school. Dial into the school. And, and get our records. Okay. You know? That's 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 what we call a planned sure. action. Yep. Okay. Um, now, planned actions have a, a number of, of mechanics to them, but I want to give the other version of that, and that is the snap decision. Okay? Mm-hmm. Snap decisions are, are, are skill rolls you need to make while you are under duress. Okay? okay. You're... In the school, and the security guard is walking around, and you can see his flashlight flicking mm-hmm. down the halls. Mm-hmm. And you have to type as fast as possible because you don't know when he's going to check in your room. Okay, yeah. that's a snap decision. So fair. The difference between the two of these, uh, basically, um, now whenever you fail a roll, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get an adversity token. Okay, adversity tokens are going to. I know I'm skipping around a little bit. It's fine. You're adversity fine. tokens are going to essentially just sit in front of you. There, you can use like little glass beads or pennies or something like that to to denote them. Um, and uh, they can be cashed in one to one to add a bonus to your roll. You earn them for failure, so you will always get something for failing a roll. Um, during planned actions. You can use these tokens to mm-hmm. not to bump your roll up. So say yes. I roll, I fail it by two. If I have two adversity tokens sitting in front of me, I can spend them. You now succeed. I, now I succeed. Mm-hmm. Friends can also spend their adversity tokens to help you. Yeah. And there's no limit to this. Mm-mm. Like during the uh, the the magic and mischief on uh, on dimension twenty, mm-hmm. um, we saw them like. A group of people pool together like plus ten worth of tokens or something like that to and get through it something. On somebody, yeah, because they they just needed that much help. You have to then describe how you're assisting the role. Yeah, but if it's possible to do so, yeah. yeah. Planned actions, friends can help. Snap decisions, they cannot help. Right. 
and that's kind of kind of it. <laughs> you, you the the storyteller will, will set a difficulty for that or for that check. Yeah, you take your approach, mm-hmm. which then decides your stat. Um, uh, the storyteller will set a difficulty for yep. using that stat in yep. that particular way. Yep. And then you roll your die. You <laughs> spend any adversity tokens that you, you need explode, to, to get you know? up there. If your die rolls the maximum on its maximum value, it explodes. You can roll mm-hmm. it again for for a rolling total. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And if you fail, like we talked about, the story continues. Mm-hmm. It is not a stop point. Even a failure will always push the narrative. That is one thing they drive into you, is that it should always continue to expose something. Now. I'm going to say there's one example, uh, one exception to that. Okay. And that is combat. That is true. Okay. Now, this is one of the places where I was a little shocked, I suppose, at these game rules. I'm not, but I get why. I'm I'm, I'm shocked, but I'm not. Yeah. Um, In that this, believe it or not, for as as friendly and as, you know, uh, 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 rules light and very narrative heavy... Is believe it or not a pretty lethal game? Yeah. Uh, so combat, there's no hit points. No. There's no health stat. No. There's no armor class nope. or defense. Anything like that. It's just you kind of describe your approach to avoiding the danger, mm-hmm. and the threshold by which you make or fail that roll determines the level of narrative injury you have. Which is fantastic. And I say narrative injury because there's no such thing as hit points, right? right? So it just kind of describes that, like, uh, yeah, you're probably concussed. Yeah. You're probably going to be woozy, you know, uh, out of breath. All of these things are going to yeah. be effects of being wounded like that. But that's it. Like, there's they don't tell you you take a minus to these particular roles. Nope. They don't tell you that it's you know you can't do X, Y, or Z anymore. They just kind but of the, and the combat over. You lost. That's yeah. it. It's that simple. It's not like you get another chance to try the combat again. Mm-hmm. You explain and and I love the descriptiveness of it. Like for instance, um, if an attacker's role, I'll, I'll just pick one of them, is uh, four to six greater mm-hmm. than the defender. And that could be the, the, you're the attacker, right? Sure. Doesn't matter. So the narrator has to handle that. And the whole idea is, is that the attacker then explains how they attack and the defender narrates what they do to mitigate the harm that was received to them. Mm -hmm. The difference is the defender is fairly hurt. You know, a bullet hits them and they need medical attention exceptionally soon from causing permanent asthma. They're dazed and likely concussed, like you said. Um, they can keep going, but their ribs are going to hurt for a few days and breathing might be, might sting for a few hours. Yeah. I mean, but it's over. That's done. Whatever that was is over now. Mm-hmm. You've lost. So it's, it's that there is, no, <laughs> there is no chance for Mary suing. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, the thing. Yeah, they yeah. they make the narrative choice to tell you this, but they also remind you that death is very, very, very close at hand. Yeah, if you fail a roll by enough, mm-hmm. um, which is possible if like your attacker has an exceptionally good stat or exceptionally good circumstances on their on their side, and you have like a you know D four and brawn or something like that, and mm-hmm. you decide you're just gonna take the hit or something. Yeah, or maybe you have no choice but to take the hit. Yeah. you know. Maybe, maybe you just, it's just going to be a brawn check. You don't get to decide if it's a flight check or not, you know? Right. Um, if you fail that roll by 10 or more, it's just like it's over. Yeah. You're just and dead. And remember, or, or the one thing that we didn't say is combat is a snap decision. Yes. So in other words, 
there's no adversary. Ad, 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 wow, my brain is going. Adversary tokens, adversity tokens. tokens that can be used in it for from friends. Correct. You can spend your own, your own, but nobody it's like nobody's taking the bullet for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it can, it can get kind of, it can get kind of, kind of punishing if you fail a roll mm-hmm. by enough, and death is absolutely on the table in this yeah. game. So it's, but but aside from that though, like I said, it's, it's all narrative handled. Mm-hmm. There's no initiative. There's no, no hit points. There's no anything like that. It's just like, okay, yeah, roll a roll stat check. Okay, here's here's how you're injured. Yeah. Let's talk about it, and then we move on. Yeah, the only thing I think that they add, which feels a little odd from a storytelling perspective, especially as a storyteller, is power characters. This extra character who sits at the table that isn't a player, but is controlled by all of the players. Now, see, I liked that. Okay, so you've got... I didn't um, say I didn't like it. I said it felt weird. No, 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 no. no. I I know. I'm not not pushing you on it. Okay, okay. So I, I, I really liked it. Uh, for, for, for one particular reason is because, um, so obviously this isn't a superhero campaign, right? So you're not going to have multiple powered characters. If you watch Stranger Things, Eleven is the only person who has any superpowers whatsoever, right? right. Um, but the fact that she is a table controlled character, everybody gets to play an aspect or an aspect or two of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's multiple aspects of his character written down. Like they mm-hmm. might be shy, but they might also be like very attracted to cats, mm-hmm. you know, and want to pet them whenever they see yeah. them. Yep. Um, but they may also be, you know, a lightning calculator in that they can, they can add numbers very quickly right. and also be able to move objects with their mind. But the thing is, is the players create these aspects beyond and, the power. And then these aspects are doled out to different players at the table. Yeah. So when entering a social situation, obviously their shyness is going to be the first thing that comes up. So the player who's holding the shy card describes how this super part character is shy in the situation. Right. But there's a cat that walks into the room and the, the, the player next to them who's holding the loves cats card lights up and says oh wow i run over and start petting you know she she runs Ignores over and starts everyone, petting the cat yeah, yeah you yeah. know um etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. uh and and it's great from a um from a group balance standpoint too because nobody gets to play the super powered character because everybody gets, gets to, play to play the super powered character so nobody feels like oh why don't i get to why don't i have telekinesis well right. you, you kind of all have telekinesis buddy right. you know yep yep and and i think it's neat that you have that aspect mm-hmm. because i could uh and, and the one thing that i got was in the space one you could totally do like a lost in space thing where it's this where's the robot yeah yeah absolutely and and people have different it it cares mm-hmm. you know it's defensive danger will robinson exactly danger. Uh, it's super intelligent, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those are aspects that the other players can play, you know, out of its things. And, you know, it has the ability to, you know, shape shift you know, or whatever sure, that's sure. beyond that. And I think that's the kind of stuff that pushes that aspect and really gives you a like, okay, this is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could see where this could be used in other ways. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but aside from that, like superpower characters, they, they have a, a number of psi points essentially, mm-hmm. um, that are just tokens that sit in the middle of the table. You assign them per game session, mm-hmm. um, and it's suggested like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, the character does have limits to it. Yep. 
Um, it, their, their power can be expended and, and therefore be useless if you tap into it too many times. Yeah, you know. You go from there, and, and it's an optional thing anyways. Yeah. You know, so you can play completely mundane, or mm-hmm. you can play with your own little super-powered character in the group. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think it's a neat concept. I definitely think it's a great way to go, and I could see, uh, <laughs> funny enough, I could see people using playing a kid D&D game style, like a fantasy game, where it's a bunch of, effectively, like, kids, not actual adventurers, mm-hmm. but one of them, the power character, is... Maybe it's a wizard. You know, so you have one power character that the whole group gets to manipulate, but maybe they're just, you know, maybe they don't know who they are. Yeah, maybe. You know, and they're in this small town. A lot right? of possibilities. It's very open. Yep. So. Uh, Knox in the Box in the live chat asks, uh, does it let you have, and he puts it in quotes, familiars? Like, do you just have the dog or is there mechanics? Uh, I don't think there's mechanics for no. it, um, but I feel like that's something that would quote unquote go in your backpack. Yeah, that'd be one of your backpack things I would definitely say. Because again, backpacks are aspect of life. Like, maybe you always have your skateboard. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you always have your radio. Yeah, yeah. Your, your Walkman. It may not be physically in your backpack, but your backpack's more a metaphor for, for resources you have on hand. Yeah, like... And you wh- gotta keep in mind, too, that, like, the difference between a familiar and a pet dog is astronomical. Familiars are assumed to be, like, intelligent beings, mm-hmm. like... Like Scooby Scooby Doo would be a familiar. He's an yeah. intelligent dog that has like that can do decision making processes. Like, mm-hmm. uh, whereas a pet dog can be distracted with like a milk bone. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, a <laughs> ferret. T- toss a tennis ball. Yeah, I have a ferret. Yeah, great. You have cool. a ferret. You have a ferret. You know, uh, or I'm the rich kid. I always have a hundred and seventy five dollars in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Like. It's it's the play money, but like that's beyond anyone's mind in 1982 yes. of play money, you yes. know. But the thing is, is that I always have 175 dollars at all times. Uh-huh. It's like okay, sure. It's it's your float money that you have. And you I mean, know? that's not saying that your 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 dog or your ferret couldn't do something. Like, right. I'm, I'm, I, look, if you put a pet ferret and you actually had them in your backpack and like carried around with you or whatever, mm-hmm. and you were like, okay, I'm gonna make a brains check. I'm like, okay, or like a charm check, maybe. Sure. And, like, I want my ferret to go grab me the key that is just out of reach because it is small and shiny, and I think I can get him to bring it to me. There you go. Okay. Okay. You know what? Give me a charm check to see if you can command your ferret to fetch the small, shiny object for you. Sure. I'm into it. Let's do it. Or, I, you know, I'm the little kid, but I have a snake. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't have Intimidate, but I'm going to be cute and pull out my snake to surprise them. Okay. Well, a charm then. I, yeah. I could see that instead and like maybe spook them. Mm-hmm. You know, does it mm-hmm. succeed or doesn't it kind of sure. a thing. So I, I like all of these light aspects. But yeah, I think that uh, I, I think that they all layer the rules and the narrative layer so well in this. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the big takeaway from this is like, if, if you have any questions whatsoever that end in the words, are there mechanics for that? The answer is no. There's barely mechanics for combat. Yeah. And... I mean, aside from roll a check and see if it's over the number, spend adversity tokens as needed, mm-hmm. there really aren't any mechanics beyond that. No. That's it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's your game. And tell a story based on those numbers. Yeah. 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 So, all right. What do you think? What do you think it does well? All right. Well, first off, I am a huge fan of remarkably quick play rules light systems. Mm-hmm. 
like I just said, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Roll, I, I, roll your die, add adversity tokens as needed. This is totally a fireside game. This really is. Like, it's a little dicey, literally, physical dice, uh-huh. but it's fireside. Yeah. You could play with a single set of dice at around a fire. If if somebody brought the 80-page rules, you know, or quick start, mm-hmm. with you know, that you could tear out the sheets for the, the characters, and you had one set of dice, you could do this on a camping trip comfortably. Absolutely. Absolutely. Comfortably. I uh-huh. I would want to do this. Actually, I'm probably going to try this at some point. Um, I think that the rules are exceptionally flexible to yes. move well beyond kids on bikes. And it shows that time and time again throughout the way that the game system plays, that it is – you could do a lot with this system. Well, I mean it even just shows in their own material where, yeah. they, where they took this rule system and extrapolated onto kids on broomsticks, dads on space, mowers, yeah. Yeah. kids in space, you know, uh, teens on mopeds, uh, yeah. you know, whatever they've got out there. All those things. Um so it's it does it doesn't hit a, a single market. It actually does the step up from that and says this is a system. Yeah, you know it feels very powered by the apocalypse, but at the same time simplifies that to a very comfortable narrative set. Powered by the apocalypse to, in frame of this in the same room almost feels like the adult. Yeah, you know? yeah, it really does. Like it you're all, trying it all, too it hard. It feels like a crunchy version of it this. It really yeah. kind of does, and yet it has no dice. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I would say the last, last thing I think it does really well is uh, offers a lot of collaborative control to the players. Okay. Um, and I think that builds a lot of player investment, uh, getting them involved in not only their own characters, but the other characters at the table, the story, the setting, because they've helped generate it. Mm-hmm. They made the town. They generated the rumors. They controlled the superpower character, you know. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot of the narrative control is in the player's hands, and therefore I think a lot of the investment in the story is there. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. I think my final thought on what it does really well is it gives just looking through the rules or playing the quick start and as either a player or as a storyteller, there's a lot of takeaways that you can pull to other systems out of this. Oh, yeah. Everything yeah. from how they describe handling X card style things that are often kind of a challenging discussion. They make sure. it light and easy to, to discuss. Yes. Um, yes. To taking full on mechanics mm-hmm. out of the, lifting them right out of the system because they're not mechanics. They're narrative tool sets. Yes. Which is something that a lot of systems lack. They try to embed mechanics around the narratives, and this is like, stop doing that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. I don't have to have negatives. I can trust my player to say, you're wheezy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. He knocked the wind right out of you. Mm-hmm. You lost. You ain't dead. You know? Yeah. And now you role play that, and we move on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that that for me is my 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 end of uh, of what it does really well. Okay. Uh, so where where do we think the uh, the foibles of the system are? Um, it isn't crunchy enough for your average role player today. I think I think you run the risk that there's a lot of role players who want to win, and this system doesn't give you a dice win as easily in a mechanical sense and it's hard to see that it's hard to calculate yeah yeah and so you'll end up any of your 
I'm not going to call, you know, I hate to use terms like points munchers or, or rules lawyers or dice monkeys. Well, no, but, you but know. look, there, there, there are, there are multiple different types of players. Yeah. You, know, we've, you we've and I about. are both very narrative heavy players. If you know, like, uh, take our mouse guard game, for instance, for example, you yes. know, it took uh, us a lot to figure out how we were supposed to play that. My, <laughs> but, but my character, you know, for instance, uh, uh, you know, became sick. Mm-hmm. Um, during during one part of the last leg of our story here, yep. uh, and I took that almost to the point of retiring my character because yeah. I continued to role play it long after the mechanic sick Faded, yeah. had been treated and was gone. Yep, you know, um, and it be, because it was fun for me to role play that yeah. hindrance and weave it into the story Agreed. and make it a dramatic point for my character. Um, on the other hand, though, there are players who. Uh, either are not comfortable with or are not, um, I don't want to say not capable of because that makes it sound. It's, again, we had a hard time even at the beginning of playing Mouse Guard yeah, yeah. failing. We didn't want other players to fail. It's it's a mindset. Correct. And the players who are not in that mindset of leaning into the narrative mm-hmm. and role-playing not only the positives but the negative aspects of their character. Exactly. There's there's a mindset of wanting to win mm-hmm. and wanting the best outcome for your character always and everyone. And that's and that's and that's just natural because mm-hmm. you you want you think of it like a game. You're playing a game. Games Obviously, are meant to be you won. don't want to lose. Yeah. You want to win. Yeah. Um. But with narrative heavy games, sometimes you have something like that to move past. Mm-hmm. And. That can be very difficult when you have to trust your players at the table to be like, you're injured. There's no low hit point. There's no uh, penalty, mechanical penalty that, that that's placed on them at a certain damage yep. threshold. You've just failed a combat and now you're winded. Yeah. And you have to role play that. One thing that I did see someone talk about. Uh, on, I, I think it was, on, yeah, it was on Reddit. I was on a, I was going through a lot of forums on this because there's a lot of odd forums that talk about this as well mm-hmm. uh, that are not mainstream. But somebody said they had come up with condition cards to help their players who have a hard time imagining their role play. Mm-hmm. And people were downing them on it. They were like, dude, that's not what this is for. It's a narrative game. You shouldn't have mechanics. And he's like, no, 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 no. These are players who are having a hard time getting their imagination. They play physical games with numbers because they can look at their sheet and say, I'm down to four hit points. Exactly. I'm injured. Exactly. And it, they were like, oh, and I'm like, playing mouse guard, having condition cards are a narrative step. They help you. They remind you where you're at. And they remind characters who need that text. They yes. need to read it in front of them to know where they're at. And I think that helps open that door. We've we've had this discussion uh, about uh, Overwatch, one of our Patreons, yep. and 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 uh, friends who is uh, currently in the live chat right now. Yep. And uh, his stance has always been um, that uh, you know he likes rules he- rules heavy games because they clearly mechanic define heavies, yeah. mechanic heavy games because they clearly define what is and what is not what can be and what cannot be correct and um tends to stray away from games such as this that mm-hmm. are narrative heavy because what defines anything in right. here and and they don't like that that vast open field of possibility in the def- in the definition of what does winded mean? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, right. what is, what does succeed mean? What mm-hmm. I've been shot. What's happening to me? Oh, well, you're bleeding. 
cool. What does that do? I mean, you're bleeding. Right. You know? Yeah. Even the rules go to say, like, you need medical assistance immediately. It's like, okay, you're going to die. How long? Like, some people are going to have a hard time with that. Like, is there an end to this scene? There isn't even scenes in this or definitions of framework for, like, like, any of that stuff. By no stretch of the imagination would I ever call Overwatch a power gamer. Not at least. Or, or a, a rules lawyer or... There was a time in my life where I would... <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe. We but... all we all have things and moments. But, like, <laughs> I consider myself a power gamer at times when I play, like, Battletech. <laughs> so, yeah, that's fine. You know, we all have our things. Right. But, uh, but, but anyways, what I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is I would not disparage Thank Overwatch you. for this... Never. For this, for this Never. outlook. But at the same time, over, I, I, I can tell right now, and you can verify, because I know I see you in the live chat, uh, you would hate this system, you know? I don't think he would hate it, but he would definitely, I, I definitely would feel that the story would be very different. Frustrating at points. Yeah, I, but at yeah. the same time, I think that, um, that a couple of our other players who have a hard time visualizing things for the same reason that this is very narrative would struggle hard. To get an understanding of even basic, s- simple scenes. Like, there are two, you know, two FBI agents just came into school, they're at the end of the hall, and they're immediately trying to think tactically of what they can do and just struggle to think about what's in a school. Yeah. Like, they don't know what's there. You didn't, you know, I, I do a perception check, what's in the space? Like, why do you need to do a perception check? You know, because you need to tell me what I have available to me because I can't visualize it. Uh-huh. This this game does not help those people who are basically, uh, for lack of, have a hard time with their mind's eye. Uh, uh, There's a term for in, it and I can't in, think of. Infantasia, I believe it's called. Thank infantasia. you. Infantasia. And that is I could be wrong. See, someone in the live chat correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. <laughs> Overwatch does correct us. Overwatch can do both of those things. <laughs> We applaud you for your abilities. We we were using you as an example, and we apologize. But the the truth of the matter is, is we do know those players who are both who need that crunch, who need that framework for multiple reasons. Whether sure. it's a matter of sure. they just need to know what their capabilities are. Like, what do I do on my turn? Exactly. What exactly. do I do when people ask me? Don't just say, "Well, what do you want to do?" This comes back to when we first started talking about role playing with a new player, and you're like, "Well, what can I do?" Oh, you can do anything. Now I'm in trouble. No, no. Okay. That doesn't tell me. That doesn't give me a starting point. Yeah. What are my options? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's challenging for those players, but it's also challenging to wrangle players. Yeah. Players who just go like, well, I'm the bully, so I'm going to go bully the principal. Mm Mm-hmm. Why are you going to bully the principal? Because I'm going to get the information that we need. Okay, you're going to punch an adult? What's going on here? You know? Yeah, well, yeah. he's not going to punch me back, well, right? Well, I'm, I'm the bully. That's what I do. That's what I do, yeah. Well, yeah, but you're, you're like a complex character. You know, you can – just because it says bully on your sheet doesn't mean you can't not bully people, you know? Right, and so, I mean, there's a lot of things about um, – that this game takes into faith. And I think that, you know, it doesn't talk about those aspects very much. And I think that can sometimes present – concerns um for trying to present that to different groups mm-hmm. um i could definitely see some concerns playing this with unknown players at your table um especially ones that are not part of your normal friends group yeah i agree i agree because you're going to get aspects now granted when you're building your characters up before session zero with all these questions and things 
a lot is going to come out. Mm -hmm. You know, asking what are you comfortable with, what are you not comfortable with, is going to is is becoming friends with that person. Yeah, and so yeah, I think they they handle a lot of that, but I still feel that it's there. Sure, sure. So. Uh, all right, you want to get some questions real quick? Well, the other thing I'm going to say before oh. we end this all out is there is no advancement. Oh, yeah. This is kind of a one-shot story, well, every, but it's not. It, it, it is and it isn't. Um, I, I mean, it, the, the game system does at several points acknowledge that, like, if you decide to play this for longer than one session, blah, 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 blah. And it's it seems very self aware that this is a game designed for short run you know one maybe like up to three or four adventures of the same characters in mm -hmm. the same town you know mm -hmm. um this isn't uh, a big campaign like D D. we're going to be playing level one to 20 yep. for the next five years every wednesday night this is this is this is more of a short run sort of game one of the ones that I read about when it, this is where I think advancement flips or flips on its head a little bit is somebody ran a game of kids on bikes one summer mm -hmm. with a bunch of friends when they were camping mm -hmm. and they all had a great time and it was kind of, they didn't do a power character. Uh, they, but they did have a mystery that they were trying to solve and they eventually figured out that maybe something weird is happening, but everything that they that, that was unexplainable got explained, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a weird way. There was a bad person in town who was abducting some kids mm -hmm. to do some testing on them. And in the end, they found out that, you know, the person was just crazy. Sure. But and then there was kind of also this question of like, but that didn't explain what happened at the water tower. Did Billy fly? Because he didn't die when he hit the ground. Mm -hmm. Like he, he was over on another building. So there was that question of like, uh-oh, is there... He then picked it up uh, just this past year. Well, he said he was going to run a new game. Mm -hmm. And there was like, great, great, great. He goes, yeah, you're all adults now. You're in your 20s. And you all get a letter. It's Billy. He wants to talk to you about what happened. And you're, oh. they're all like, oh, crap. And so he re-ran the same town in the future that's after they cool. were adults and uh he's yeah. gonna write it up the guy that was doing it, i'm like that's a cool advancement that's, that's the kind of stuff you want to see that's very cool yeah it's like it meets heroes very much so yeah very much so that's um cool. that's and cool. uh uh he 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 basically had the allied and the thing was is like all their original rumors got solved and stuff like that so now they're coming back to the town and for the rumors that didn't mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know there were still aspects of things so all right so we do have some questions yeah um, in fact, Overwatch has some questions. Uh, did you want to start with Charles's questions because they're more system specific, or do you want to go over? Yeah, Overwatch? yeah. Okay. Let's start with Charles's question. Um, so uh, I says uh, I played a, t a twelve session campaign on ki of kids on bikes and bounced off it for a few reasons. Uh, one was because the sis the setting was collaborated. It felt like there were not really any surprises or mysteries or twists in the setting since everyone already set them up at the start. But I think this doesn't affect most people who like the game. What accounts for the difference in perspective? Um, okay. Uh, I, well, I'll address that right away, I think, because yeah. it's kind of a two-part question. Yeah. Um, so when you have a collaborative setting, the um, the important part is, and this is very much like any, like if, if you ever hand a character background mm -hmm. to to a, a storyteller, you know, um, you've got to leave holes. 
Yeah, there has to be blank space. There has to be blank space for the storyteller to fill in things, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why, like, the the mythical 12-page backstory of, like, the elaborate, you know, family dealings and all the things that led to me being an adventurer. Like, don't give me that. Mm -mm. Give me one page with a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't tell me the names of characters. Tell me a man did this or a rich woman did that or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, so that the storyteller can fill those things in mm-hmm. and then reveal these things to you as a surprise. The rumor should be ambiguous. Exactly. The rumor should be ambiguous and the rumor should be inaccurate. Mm-hmm. You know, is the principal sleeping with one of the, 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 you know, it's rumored that the principal sleeping with one of the teachers should not actually be the principal sleeping with the teacher. Yeah. That's not what's happening. Right. That's the rumor that came out of it. The truth of the matter could be anything from he was seen with a woman who looked like this or he went somewhere where they were both or any number of combinations yeah. thereof. And and it's encouraged to tie those things into, you know, the plot that's really going on. So mm-hmm. like I said, okay, so apparently, you know, this rumor got started because the principal and the teacher are having clandestine nighttime meetings. Because they're part of the same satanic cult trying to summon a demon. Right. You know, th- but but people who don't believe in demons are like, oh, that's a tryst. Right. They're definitely sleeping with each other. Right. But like, no, no, that, really. Yeah, because no. that's <laughs> the weird thing that's going on. There. Yeah, because that's the weird thing that's going on. And then when you're like, oh, crap, I thought you two were sleeping together. No, we're summoning a demon. What did you think was going on? You know, God, I, I hate her, you know, and she's like, I'm a married woman, you know, right, right. <laughs> You know? We've got principles. We're summoning demons. Yeah, but, but aren't you summoning the demon because he's going to, like, d- d- take over? He goes, oh, yeah, he'll kill my husband, whom I hate. Right. But I'm still a married woman. You know, like, <laughs> I have values. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and that's and that's in where in the, where in the twist lies. That That's why having a collaboratively created setting with the rumors and stuff like that shouldn't ever be – should never spoil your surprise because it should just be a starting point for where the storyteller then says, it says right. okay, thank you. I'm going to work with this. Yes, yes. And – peppers in all the good surprising stuff exactly so the second part is how does changing the size of the die used in the skill affect the feel of the game versus adding bigger numbers to the same die uh consistency i think two things for me one different dies have very different mechanics up on how they're going their probabilities go so yeah yeah, you've got a d20 for your strength you're really strong but you might roll a one you you have as you have a huge chance to roll something above a ten mm-hmm. over a d ten, but it's still a fifty percent chance. Yeah. If I need to roll fi- higher, you know, if, if I'm just looking to roll a five, rolling a d twenty isn't the greatest thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's the change there is is that you do have risks that go along with the rewards of larger dice, mm-hmm. and that. Cha- puts that whole min-maxing on its head. Mm-hmm. You know, it actually puts the dice back to what they do. Versus just saying, oh, I everyone everything rolls a d6 and you're either at a negative or a positive to it. And at that point you're like, well, then there's if I'm at a positive, I'm never not going to be good at this. Ever. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's consistency in your numbers. I have to fail. Yeah. If I'm always adding a plus four, I'm, I'm always at a five. Mm-hmm. You literally can't give me a number lower than a five. Right. But on a D twenty, uh, with no flat, with a no flat modifier, I could still fail that. I still got the best stat in the game for it, 
but there's still a uh, five and five and twenty. That's a twenty five percent chance that I'm going to mm-hmm. fail this, which is significant when yeah. you take it then down to a D twelve and ask yourself the same question. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And when your die D four needs to explode to for you to even have a success at that, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so that's where I, I always look at numbers and skills and bonuses and stuff. Get it back to the basics yeah. if you really want to create a, a true yeah. level of risk and reward. And I think another part of that too is is just mechanics. It's just easier to remember. Roll the d twenty. Read the number on it to the storyteller. Is it higher than the than the number that they that they said? Yeah. Do you want to add some adversity tokens to that? Let's do something. Yeah. Let's do something. You know? Yeah. So it but, it has that heroic element. So. But you know, I, it's it's just that one extra little step. Like I've seen, you know, in in like D and D of like, okay, well, I rolled a fifteen, but uh, let's see here. What what am I adding to this? Um, yeah. Hold on. No. Nope. Oh, hold on. Where where is it? It's on my sheet somewhere. Hold mm-hmm. on. Oh, it's not on this tab. Where is yeah. it? Oh wait, I've got that power. Oh, there it is. That I wait, can use twice a day. Plus seven. Yeah. Wait, no, plus eight. Yeah. Yeah. Plus eight. And, what and I roll? a bonus. A 15? Yeah. Okay. And now we've established that you've rolled a 23. Right. You know, that sort of thing never happens in this. It's quick gameplay. I rolled a three. And that's my number. Right. You know, so. Yeah. So let's get to Overwatches. All uh, right. So Overwatch asks, uh, what is your strategy of attack when learning a new game system? We talked, we, I would say before I had a very different strategy. I think since we've been running the show, my strategy has moved to look at a system for its feel. So if I'm going to learn a new game system, I need to learn why. Yeah. Is it a tactical system? Is it a narrative system? What's, what is it trying to do? Yeah. 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 And then, then start looking at how maybe their quick start runs what do they skinny it down to to show me how to play it that is where i i carve myself because that happens way too often wait wait too now and then the last thing is is that in that quick start i might be looking at the quick start while watching someone else run it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that has been recommended to me right uh i i for one um I fancy that one of my my personal strengths is pattern recognition you totally have that uh and so uh I straight up just read the rules, mm-hmm. but I, I find that I'm particularly good at uh, picking out what the rules are trying to do. So it might say, you know, roll these dice, add these numbers or whatnot, but um, looking looking past that, looking past just the actual mechanics and the words on the page and say like, okay, what is this trying to represent? What are the, what are the possible outcomes on this dice and what um, – what sort of outcomes is that trying to trying to evoke yeah. in this game setting? You know, uh, is really what I look for, and yeah. and I think you you kind of hit on it too. Like, what's the spirit of the game? Mm-hmm. What is the game trying to accomplish? And I think I look at the intersection between the rules and the setting, and uh, try to find the heart of the game there. And from there, it's generally pretty easy to to, to pick up what. Uh, you know what a what a game system's general vibe is. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. you just yeah, you just ride the vibe through the through the rest of the uh, through the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. And, and and then also talk to people to see if that really checks with the vibe of how people play it. Yeah, I found that a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse all all have very similar rule sets, but each one of the flavors of it play very differently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of just minor tweaks to it. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. 
uh, you know, like like this uh, something you know uh, as an example, uh, like in this game when I was talking about how uh, the superpowered character is played by everyone, mm-hmm. and therefore it's played by nobody. Nobody gets to be the super part character. Ergo, nobody feels cheated by not being able to play the super character. Yes. You know, that's not something that's explicitly written in the rules. Mm-hmm. That's something implicit in the rules. Yeah. And those are the things you look for in learning a new game system. What are the rules trying to say between the numbers? Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, which then leads to the question, as a GM, are there any game systems that stand out as easy to learn? Rules I mean, light systems. Rule light systems are easy to learn, but they're easy to learn. It doesn't mean they're easy to play. Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. That, that is one hundred percent correct. Even even the most easy games are exceptionally hard to play, and sometimes harder to storytell. Yeah. Uh the the other thing I look for is a consistent through line in the rules. Mm-hmm. If it's not rules light. Do the rules at least have an internal consistency? And that's one of the big things that drew me to Savage Worlds. <laughs> it's it's mechanics light, but rules heavy. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of rules in that book, but they all function the exact same way. Yeah. So if you understand the core concept of um, your, your, your die in your trait plus your wild die, mm-hmm. and that a plus one is a big deal because your target number is always four Mm -hmm. plus two is almost guaranteed success Mm -hmm. you can go from there yeah and just that it's the easiest system in the world to learn from a storyteller standpoint because everything follows that whether you're learning chase rules combat rules social rules just general skill checks Mm -hmm. everything does that and functions that way yeah, I, I and I would say for that, I think Suede is a good system mm-hmm. to learn. I think it's an, a relatively easy system to learn. I would say this system is an easy system to Amazingly learn. Amazingly easy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it really handles the approach vector that narrative games have in a really nice way. And it guides you through, if if, if you're not used to playing narrative-heavy games, mm-hmm. it, this one does a really good job of guiding you through the process of, of what you should look for and what you should encourage at your table. Yeah. Any standout as especially unfathomable? Oh, okay, so the game system that recently... Mm-hmm. Um, well, semi-recently, really threw me for a loop. Like, I just could not wrap my brain around it, mm-hmm. was Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanics in it. Um, and, not, and feel. Not even because there's a lot of mechanics. Like, it's not ultimately that hard of a game. Right. What I think threw me for a loop is a lifetime of playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, where you've got hard stats like strength and dexterity and constitution. And then you go to Legend of the Five Rings, and it's got wind and earth, and void. Hmm. And you're like, what even is that? Oh, well, wind is kind of like creativity and adaptability. And you're like, okay, so what does that represent? Am I smart if I have a high wind? Oh, no, no, no. You can be dumb as a brick and have a high wind uh, uh, ring. Okay. It just means that you're good at adapting to new situations. You can be dumb as a brick and and, and very adaptive. Okay. It's just your approach. Okay. (laughs) Like, you know, it was difficult for me to wrap my head around. I think now that I've gone over it a handful of times, I I have the book, I have the quick start thing, and I've, I've conceptualized it. But, like, when I first read that book, man, oh, wow, I was just left scratching my head going, like, I can do a system spotlight on this to explain it. 
but I would find this infuriating to run because I my I, I found it so difficult to get my brain working along those lines. Yeah, I think for me, um, something that I consider unfathomable has nothing necessarily. It doesn't. I shouldn't say it has nothing to do um, with it, but it has more to do with the looking at the system, going. I don't think I could run this with anybody I know. And that is the Star Wars system we had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just, it is too... The Fantasy Flight version. It is, yeah, the Fantasy Flight version is too close to a dice-based system that is traditional and yet has enough twists to it mm-hmm. and not far, not close enough to be in a narrative system in some of its other aspects it just feels challenging to present and work through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in some cases, I feel that there are a few other systems that are like that, where it rides an odd line of like, what are you accomplishing by doing this? Yeah. I, I, it's neat, don't get me wrong. It could be fun, but I don't really see a way to play it. Yeah. Or run it. We, well, we, we talked a bit about, uh, GURPS, I think off the record the other day. Yeah. Um, and how, uh, you've got to prune down a, a massive deck of rules to try to find the, the gems that you want to use to build your own world. And all those tools are there for you. There's a Brazilian tools. You don't have to use all of them. In yeah. fact, it's suggested you don't, but you have to prune down the rules enough to figure out what you need to do. You have to figure out what you need to do enough to know how to prune down those rules. Yeah. And does any of that add to the – like, does is, is any of that extra work add to the experience for you? It, it or is it just extra busy work? Does it make the core of the game better? Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the consensus was that it doesn't. But, no. um, you know, that that's a system, like, to me, that would be unfathomable just simply because, like, you look at the amount of work you have to put in and what you're going to get out of it at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this one up here. We have gone massively over time. Enjoy your uh, your free free uh, podcast time there. Next week's topic is going to be routine, ritualize, repeat. This is uh, all about um, all the little habits that you should get into for writing your game, running your game, yep. uh, and making sure that your game is the best. That aren't like whole episodes by themselves. But a lot of the little tips and tricks. Yeah, just a, a framework to help you get it back again and again and again since we've been doing these 101s. Let's get you to remember what you need in a very simple format to help you get through those games. All right. And you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us uh, or uh, catch us on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. You can uh, find the link on our Twitter uh, or on our website, StorytellerConclave.com. Yeah, if you want to join our live chat, uh, you can become one of our Patreon members. We would highly recommend it. Our Patreon members love us and love to join chatting with us uh, every single week as we record these. Uh, some of our name members are Knox in the Box, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. We really appreciate it. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.pancamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which is Only Our Footprints in the Sand, is by Midair Machine, and you can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to Orvik 
our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank and you so much kitties. for and the kitties. And the kitties. Thank you so much uh, for loving and supporting us. All of yes. our friends have sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories and experiences to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Good night. Good night. <laughs>